Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, good to have you here. Uh, welcome to River Glen. Before I get started, I want to just take a moment and acknowledge that this is a Memorial Day weekend, and uh, we don't want to take for granted the freedom that we have in this country, freedom to speak, freedom to vote, freedom to gather and sing and, and talk about our faith. These are not uh, universal freedoms. Not everyone in the world has the freedom that we have. And so let's take a moment, let's pause and remember the hundreds of thousands of men and women who uh, gave their lives to protect our freedom. So let's have a moment of silence to remember and honor those who made the ultimate sacrifice, and then I'll pray for us. God, we're thankful that we live in a country where we can gather publicly like this and sing and pray and talk freely about you and your son and what he did for us without having to worry. I thank you for this weekend, and I pray that we wouldn't forget why we can have a picnic tomorrow or we can just do whatever we wish to do this weekend because of what has been done for us. God, we thank you for men and women who so freely gave their lives to protect our freedom. And God, we thank you for those who continue to serve and sacrifice to protect our freedom today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Today we continue the series called Electric Faith uh, to make our faith come alive. We're going through the New Testament book of, of James. But before I begin, I want to uh, make sure that you have one of these. I don't know if you got one of these when you walked in. If you didn't receive one, just raise your hand. Somebody's going to uh, walk around and uh, they'll hand one of these uh, to you. Uh, sorry there's not a popsicle on the end of it. That'd be nice today, wouldn't it? But this is not a popsicle stick. This is a tongue depressor. You know the kind that the dentist, the doctor uh, uses. Uh, you know, sometimes they'll say, open wide and say, ah. And they'll look at, your, look at your mouth, look at your throat to see if you have any cavities, any, any gum disease, any tonsillitis, or just kind of see what's going on in there. And today, like a skillful physician, James is going to look, take a close look and examine our tongue, our words, our mouth, because it is such an important part of our body. Do you know that the average person has 30 conversations a day? You're going to spend one-fifth or 20% of your life talking. And uh, the average person says about 18,000 words a day. But uh, looking around the room, I think we've got some high achievers around here that maybe take that up to 30,000 or, or so. But whether you say a lot of words or, or, or not very many, it's very easy to downplay the importance of our words. You know, we think, I say so many words, you know, I'm going to slip up. It's okay to, to slip up. Kind of like when you're on the beach and you scoop up a handful of sand. There's a lot of grains of sand and some flip, slip through your fingers and you're not really concerned about, about that. And so we can become careless with our words. Or we get careless because we think they're just words. You know, no big deal. Maybe you remember the old statement when we were kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will. Yeah, never hurt me. How many of you think that's uh, untrue and dumb? Yeah, you know, sticks and stones might bruise our bodies for days or weeks. Words can bruise our soul for years or decades. And that's why from cover to cover, the scriptures consistently teach that the most powerful part of our body, the most dangerous part of our body is our tongue. Think about this. You know, out of the Ten Commandments, two of them, Two of them have to do just with the words that we say. Do not lie. Do not use God's name 
in vain. And uh, in the book of Proverbs, the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, devotes over 150 Proverbs to the power of our words. For example, Proverbs 18 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Our words make or break a life. Our words give life or take life. Think about it, a carefully spoken word can save a friendship. It can, it can uh, uh, change someone's future. It can prevent a family fight. It can destroy a relationship or demolish a career. The tongue is the most powerful part of the body. But more than any other author in the uh, scripture, James describes the astonishing power of our tongues. It's really a theme throughout his, throughout his book, but especially in chapter 3, where James basically says, open wide and say, ah, because he wants us to know that every word matters. Now, he doesn't, he doesn't candy coat this teaching. He gives us a strong dose of reality. Look at, what it says, look at what he says here, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Sometimes people ask me, what's your favorite verse in Scripture? Not that one, all right? I wish we could remove uh, that one. That is a daunting uh, verse. I feel tempted to shut up and pray and we can all go home. But I need to hear it. I enjoy talking, teaching in these weekend services. But I've got to be careful because every word matters. And the tongue is the most difficult part of the body to control. And you know what? It's not just me. Many of us teach on some level. If you follow Jesus and somebody asks you, why do you believe in Jesus? All of a sudden, you assume the role of a teacher. And James says, take that responsibility very seriously. And then he says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. But no one can tame the tongue. I, I uh, checked the original language to uh, make sure no one really means no one. Turns out it does. No one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. That means our tongue is ready at any moment to just break out and betray us any, at, any, at any time. So James makes it clear, this is an issue for everybody. No one can perfectly tame their tongue, but we can get better with our words. And you know what? In today's world, it's not just what you say either. It's what you text. It's what you email. It's what you post online. James says every word matters. And so here's what I want to do. I want to share with you three reasons why every word matters based on what James teaches in chapter 3. First of all, words direct your life. James gives a couple examples of the astonishing power of words to guide and direct your life. He says, a bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. James says, just like a tiny bit can steer a thousand pound horse and a little rudder, a tiny rudder can turn around a huge ship. Our tongues have ast astonishing power to give direction to our lives. Our words are like a steering wheel in our lives. Our, our words got us our jobs. Words determine how far you go in your career. Words uh, determine if you are successful or unsuccessful as a salesman. Words 
make you a good or poor negotiator. And our words got us our friendships. Words got us our wives, got us our husbands. And it's with our words that we commit our lives to follow Jesus. Words shape and direct our lives. But let me ask you, can you think of a moment when somebody said something hurtful or mean to you? I'm going to give you a moment to bring something to mind. For most of us, I think it's pretty easy to remember hurtful words because they get seared into our memories. I wonder, did those words change uh, or alter in some way the direction of your life? You know, for example, maybe you had a teacher who told you that you weren't smart enough and those words prevented you from graduating high school or from even trying to go to college or maybe they even changed the, the career that you pursued. Maybe you had a parent who always made you feel like you just weren't good enough. You know, the lawn wasn't cut right, the dishes weren't put away correctly, the achievements weren't really good enough. And now you have this I'm not good enough voice just playing in your head over and over and over. And maybe it's prevented you from going where you want to go in your life. Maybe you've even been called things like selfish or stupid or ugly. And those negative words have just killed a part of your soul and they changed the direction of your life. Or on the flip side, let me ask if you remember having someone say words to you that were meaningful, significant, encouraging. Maybe they even changed the course or the direction of your life in a good way. Maybe there was a moment. I can remember a moment like that for me. I don't, I don't think I ever shared this with anyone until a couple days ago. I told my wife about this. I remember the first time I gave one of these messages, one of these sermons. It was in chapel in college. I think it was my junior year. I went to a Christian college in central Illinois. And somehow I got kind of roped into doing this message in chapel, and uh, I was a nervous wreck. I mean, the chapel audience, you got professors, you know, sitting all over the place. It's kind of nerve-wracking. And then on top of that, the night before, I just decided, okay, this doesn't feel right. And I started over writing out what I was going to share. And I stayed up till like 3 or 4 in the morning, one of the longest nights of my life. I hardly got any sleep. And I'm thinking, this is going to bomb you know, this is awful. This is going to be my last sermon. I really didn't know what I was going to do for, for my career. But I prayed, and God helped me relax. And it went a little better than I expected. And then afterward, one of my professors, and he was a tough professor. He didn't really give a lot of encouragement. But he, he took my arm and kind of pulled me over aside into the coat room for a private conversation. I thought I was in trouble and I remember he looked me in the eye. I remember exactly what he said. He said, Ben, that was one of the best messages I have heard in that chapel. And he was being really kind. But I'm telling you, God used those words to guide and shape the direction of my life. And from then on, I pursued becoming a pastor. It's easy for us, I think, typically to, to remember the words, to think of the words that other people have used that have guided and shaped our lives. But let me ask you, what about the words that you use with yourself? If you were to take a snapshot of the words that you say to yourself, the words that you think about yourself, what would those words say? Would they be words of death? I can't. I'm no good. I'm a failure. Or words of life, words like I can. God's given me everything that I need. With God's help, 
I'm more than enough. Take a moment and think about the words that you've spoken to yourself because James says a word can accomplish nearly anything or it can destroy it. And that's true of the words that other people have said to you and it's also true of the words that you speak to yourself. I came across this quote. I don't know who gets credit for it. Somebody last night said Henry Ford, but I just love this quote. Whether you say you can or say you can't, you're right. It's true, isn't it? Now, I'm not encouraging, you know, a name it, claim it scheme. Some preachers say, just say it and God will give it to you. That, that, I, don't, I don't think God works that way. God's not a genie in a bottle. But it's true. Words will give direction to your life. And so as you reflect on, 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 on these words, make sure that you speak words of life to yourself. Second reason why every word matters, words start fires. James uses a third example to illustrate the astonishing power of our words. He says, a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. I looked it up and last year there were 27 massive fires burning over 4,200 square miles of land in the United States, destroying roughly the size of the state of Connecticut. And we don't know how all those fires got started, but they were sparked by something and maybe something as small as this flame right here, this little spark right here. This tiny flame can set a whole forest on fire. And then it's the combination of heat and fuel and oxygen, what's, called, what's known as the fire triangle that causes the fire to spread. When these three elements come together, there's a, a rea- and there's a reaction of the spark and the flame. It is difficult to stop. It becomes erratic unpredictable. And to make this point, uh, James says, among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It can set your whole life on fire. Put simply, one word can be the spark, the reason, the element that causes your whole life to get set on fire. I mean, think about it. With, With our words, with your words, you land a job or lose a job. I think about a pastor who planted a new church several years ago that just uh, uh, thrived and grew and became this, this mega church with multiple locations. I, I used to listen to his sermons and uh, he was a great preacher, very, very gifted. But he lost his job because he used inappropriate words. Very successful ministry, wrote many uh, books. But his ministry ended, and he had to relocate his family to another state to rebuild his reputation and start over. I felt so bad for him, but they couldn't fire just his mouth. His words damaged his ministry and his church. Words can burn down a career. They can burn down a marriage. Words can burn down a family. They can burn down a friendship. Words can burn down a church. Somebody says something, maybe just one word. Somebody says something back. Somebody else says something back and pretty soon, whoosh. People getting burned all over the place. You can start a fire with your words that you cannot put out. It just burns and you're a bystander. Every single word matters. But think about it, just like fire can be managed and used for good. I mean, we use it to cook food. We use it to heat our homes. Our words can spark death or words can spark life. If you're dating or married, every word will tear down or build up the relationship. Every word will set your marriage on fire for good or bad. And I want to be clear. You want good fires. 
in your marriage. If you're a teacher, every word will alter for good or bad the future of those students in your care. And if you're a teenager or a young adult, every word will build up or tear down trust with your parents. So why not use words to spark life-giving fires as often as, as possible? I came across an example in the news uh, just yesterday. Maybe some of you saw this story in the news about a sixth grade teacher named Judith Tenzing who made a big impression on one of her sixth grade students 21 years ago named Kristen Gilmer. At the uh, end of the uh, school year, she wrote a note to the students on the report card. Here's the note she wrote on Kristen's report card. It has been a joy uh, having you in class. Keep up the good work. Look at this. Invite me to your Harvard graduation. Kristen was only 12 years old when she got that note, but she hung on to it. And 21 years later, this past week, at age 33, Kristen graduated from Harvard University with a doctorate in public health. Here's, here's a picture of Kristen. That's her mom on the left and Mrs. Tenzing on the, on the right. Here's what Kristen said about her sixth grade teacher. She lit a fire under me. She believed in my ability to accomplish my dreams. She lit a fire under me. Words can start a fire for good or for bad. And so quick time out to ask yourself, what kinds of fires are you sparking with your words? I mean, husbands, your wives need to hear you say, you're more than enough for me. I love you just the way that you are. Wives, your husbands need to hear you say, I am, I'm thankful for everything that you do. I appreciate you. I respect you. Parents, your kids need to hear you say, I believe in you. God's got a great plan for your life. Kids, you probably don't think your parents need to hear life-giving words from you, but they do. Say thank you for everything that you do for me. I can't believe how much junk you put up with to raise me. Uh, you probably won't say that until you have your own kids and realize it, but try it now. Supervisors, leaders, the people who work for you, they need to hear some version of I'm behind you. You can do it. Now, does taming your tongue, does it mean that you always pat people on the back with soft, positive words? No. Sometimes as Jesus followers, in our roles as supervisors, leaders, family, and friends, our role is to also tell the truth. And to tell the truth, there's got to be room for criticism, correction, and teaching. Otherwise, we're not being truthful. Otherwise, we're not being helpful. We're not really helping people to get better. Now, I don't always do this very well. But when I speak the truth in love, my tone is calm. My words are chosen carefully. And the person receiving the words can tell that I'm speaking the words in love. In Ephesians chapter 4, there's a fantastic verse about this. Verse 29, Paul says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. That can be telling the truth. That can be delivering correction. Those things are good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Those words, good and helpful, are just so key in that verse. And so the next time you're going to text something or email something or post something or say something, ask yourself this question. Is it good and helpful? Because good or bad, your tongue is a tiny spark that can set your whole life on fire. So make sure you're setting off life-giving ones. Third reason, final reason why every word matters, your words reveal what's inside. 
what, what you say it reveals what's in here, what, what's going on in your heart. James says sometimes uh, it, that's the tongue, praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. He says we come to church like this and we sing the right uh, words, we, we say the right uh, words, but then we curse someone who's made in God's image. Maybe we, we go to work on, on Monday or Tuesday, we just blast off, and that's frustrating for us and disappointing. But James acknowledges that's true for almost all of us. We do both, blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same uh, mouth. And he wonders, why does this happen? And he asks this question, he says, does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? I mean, it shouldn't, but it does. Because even for those of us who put our faith in Jesus, we still battle sin. Sin wages war in our hearts and sometimes that sin just, just bubbles up and it spews out of our mouth. And so if you suddenly find anger and bitterness and resentment and hatred spewing out, that indicates that something's out of alignment in here and there is some soul work that is needed. That's why Jesus says this, whatever you say flows from what is in your heart. Those words just reflect what's going on in here. And so if we're ever going to get better with our words, if we're ever going to get better with what we say, we're going to need God to change our hearts. But beyond that, James doesn't really give us a lot of practical help in this uh, scripture in chapter 3. And it can be a little frustrating when you read this chapter from his book. He says we, can all, he says we all make mistakes uh, for if, if we could control our tongues. He said we, we, we can't. We would be perfect, which we're not and could also control ourselves in every other way. He's telling us we can't completely control our tongues. We can't be perfect, so what now? What are we supposed to do about this? How do we get better at this? Because we believe that we can get better with words. But how do we control something that James says is nearly uncontrollable? Well, let me offer a few suggestions that we can all take away to just get better with our words. And here's the first one. Go after the root. Go after the root, which is your heart. The last thing I want you to do is just leave here today and walk out and think, oh, I need to get better with my words. I need to start, I need to try harder to get better at my words. No, what you need is for God to change your heart. For those of us who put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is, is present and, and working on our heart, transforming our heart uh, giving us the power necessary not to completely tame our tongue, but to overcome the sin and to get better with our words. And so here's a real simple application. I want you to pray this prayer that uh, David, the psalmist, prayed. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. Pray this prayer every day this week. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. The things that I'm thinking about, things that I'm chewing on mentally, be pleasing to you, O Lord. And we've tried to make this as easy as we can for you. And so you can go to our website and you can download this verse. You can download it to your, your phone. You can save it as a screensaver. You can save it on your, on your desktop. You can save it on your iPad. If you don't know how to do those sort of things, you can just, just memorize it. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. Try praying that every day this week. And then second, say I'm sorry. Think about the destructive fires 
that your words may have potentially caused and hurt another person and use the two, two of the most powerful words in the English language. I'm sorry. Say those words to the person that you heard. Do whatever it takes to get those words across to that person. Ask, who's the person that, that you need to text? Who's the person that you need to call? Who's the person you need to have a conversation with and lead with those two words? I'm sorry. I'm telling you, I've seen these two words. Restore, reputation, bring families together, repair relationships, change the course of a marriage. There is astonishing power in those two words. I'm sorry. And I get it. You know, some of you, maybe you've tried that already. Try it again. Some fires don't get put out easily. Some fires take extra effort. Own up to the fires that you've caused. And then say, I'm sorry. And then third, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Seems like James doesn't give us much practical help in chapter three. But in chapter one, he gave some brilliant Brilliant teaching. Look what he said here in verse 19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Notice, notice he doesn't say quick to hear. He says quick to, quick to uh, listen. Uh, put more value, put, be more interested in listening than talking. Don't just wait for your turn to talk. Actively listen. And then be slow to speak, which means think before you speak. And that's something I... That's one reason I like email. That's something I like about email and, and texting. I can go back and read what I wrote before I hit send. And I find nine times out of ten when I do that, I change something before I, hit, before I send it. And then as a result of being quick to listen, slow to speak, look at the outcome. Look at the result. Slow to become angry. Most of our damaging words on some level are angry words. By being quick to listen and slow to speak, we'll be slow to anger, slow to say things that are going to damage our relationships and the lives of other uh, people. Great advice James gives. And then fourth, intentionally use words to bless other people. I think part of the solution for many of us is just to say more words that bless and encourage other people. Words, our tongues have limitless power for good. Barbara Glanz is a uh, corporate consultant, motivational speaker. She tells about speaking to 3,000 employees of a uh, national grocery store change. All kinds of employees, managers, store managers, district managers, stock people, butchers, clerks. They all work for this grocery store chain. She talked to them about the power of positive words. And she had some posters on the wall behind her of great quotes and positive sayings. And she said, every interaction with another person is an opportunity to give them encouragement and healing, speak a word of healing and inspiration. And she challenged them. She told them how to do that, and then she challenged them to make that happen. About a month later, she got a call from one of the employees who attended the seminar and worked at that grocery store chain. He was a 19-year-old stock person from the store named Johnny, who proudly informed Barbara that he had Down syndrome. And he said to Barbara, I really like what you said, but I didn't think I could really do anything special for my customers because I'm just a stock boy. I just, I just bag the groceries. I'm a bagger. But then Johnny said, I had an idea. I decided every night when I come home, I would find a saying, like the ones that you had on the wall, a really good saying for the day. And if he couldn't find something, he said he would, he would make something up. And then he would sit down with his dad at his computer. He'd type it out six to eight times on a page. He'd print off 50 copies, take out the scissors, and cut it into slips of three or 400. 
And then he would take a stack of those slips, he would sign them all, and they'd take a stack, sit them next to where he worked, and when he would bag the groceries, he would put his saying on top of the last bag. And he'd, put, he'd look, at, look the person in the eye, and he would say, I put an inspirational saying in your groceries, and I hope it helps you have a great day. Thanks for coming in. That was Johnny the bagger. A month later, Barbara, this consultant, got a call from the store manager of the supermarket, and he told her, Barbara, you won't believe what's happened here. I was making the rounds, and I got to the cashier line. The line at Johnny's checkout was three times longer than anybody else's. I went all, it went all the way down the frozen food aisle. So I got in the loudspeaker to get more checkout lines open right away. But we couldn't get any of the customers to move out of Johnny's line. They all said, that's okay, we'll wait. We want to be in Johnny's line. We want Johnny's thought for the day. One woman told the manager, I used to come to the store once a week. Now I come in every time I go by because I want to get Johnny's thought for the day. Johnny became the most influential employee in the grocery store. And the manager said it changed the whole culture of the store. That's the power of positive words. That's what they can do. And if, it can do that, if they can do that in a grocery store, it can happen anywhere. Words have astonishing power. Every word matters. They have limitless power for good. And so here's what I want to do. I want you to do with your uh, tongue depressor. Okay, go ahead and take that out. And uh, I'm going to ask you to write a few words on your uh, tongue depressor. So go ahead and uh, grab a pen. And here's what I want you to do. First of all, on one side of it, I'd like you to uh, write down one of the ways that you think you sometimes hurt other people uh, with your with your words, and uh, you can, uh, if you want to write down the initial of the word or a symbol, this will take a little courage, but if that helps you do it, if that, and if you'll remember the symbol or the, or the uh, abbreviation, go ahead and do that. Maybe, maybe it's for you it's gossip or rumors or complaining or dishonesty or harsh words or just the absence of encouraging words, or maybe it's something else. This, this is not a complete list. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Or, or maybe you want to write down the initial of a word, a specific word that just comes out of your mouth too often. Maybe it's, maybe it's a four-letter word and you recognize that when that word comes out of your mouth as frequently as it does, it says something about your heart. Would you have the courage to write it down as a way of saying, God, um, I want you to change my heart so that I can get better with my words. I'm going to give you a moment to uh, write something down. Now I want you to turn it over. And on the other side, I want you to write down the name of one person that you could bless this week with your words. Maybe there's a note or email or text message that you could write. Maybe it'd take you two minutes, maybe three minutes, but that could be a gift to that person that might keep giving for the rest of their life. Is there a child whose soul needs filling up? A spouse who's weak you could make? A colleague at work whose confidence you could, you could build up. Is there a teacher who you could thank for making class fun and interesting and really caring about you? Take a moment and write the name of one person that you could bless this week.
And then one more. I want you to take a moment and just write one thing that you can thank God for. Write down one, one thing that you can bless God for uh, today. Go ahead and do that. I hope that you'll keep this as a reminder, maybe in your Bible, maybe in your purse, maybe in your desk drawer, as a reminder of the power, the astonishing power of words. One more verse I want to show you. This comes from Proverbs. Solomon said, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Think about it. Gold and silver are probably the two, two of the most precious items in our world uh, today. And yet the right word to the, to the right person at the right time with the right spirit is more valuable, Solomon says, than gold or silver. And uh, that's your assignment this week, to speak words of encouragement. Let me pray for us. God, we recognize that we are imperfect people. We sin. We mess up. We say the wrong things. I know I do. We do the wrong things. And yet, God, you forgive us. You are a God of mercy and grace and forgiveness. And you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us, even though we would still continue to sin. And so for all of us here, for the words that we're going to use this week, for the words that we will write and say, the words we communicate in any form, God, remind us to tame our tongues and to ask ourselves, is it going to be good and helpful? And more than just not saying the wrong things, God, help us to say the right thing. May we speak words of life wherever we go. And God, I pray for those people who have felt damaged or hurt by another person's words, just carrying around a weight and a burden. But God, you're powerful enough to overcome those hurts, those wounds. Help those people, and they know who they are, to not rely on another person to do that for them. Remind them that they are loved and valued and cherished by you. And God, as we go about our week, may, our, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O oh Lord. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.